and welcome back to the European Tour Picks and Bet Show. As you can tell, I am not Skylar Hope, so uh, you know, new host this week. Uh, Skylar is out in Hawaii, but luckily for me, I'm joined by Ryan Barroff. Ryan, welcome. Appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Nice to stand in for Sky, but I wish he was here and I was in Maui. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it would be nice happy to, switch, to be here. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, look, you're in the you're in the position where you get to uh, nod and smile, and you know, I'm not going to make these kind of um, strange amateur picks that Skylar does. I've gone pretty top heavy this week, but um, you know, I think I think we're coming to a golf course, which I think you all agree on. You know, what we've spoken about so far, that you do tend to lean course history here and um, not even so much great results, just a little bit of experience. I think we've seen guys that have missed cuts but learned something the first the first time they played here and come back and really develop from that, even if it was a kind of you saw them shoot a 68 or a 69, just kind of break through a little bit. I don't want to compare it to Augusta, obviously, but you see, you hear this all the time when someone breaks 70 for the first time at Augusta and it's, it's go time. And I think that's a little bit like that of Alderaan. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think leaning on on course experience is important. Uh, like we talked about course fit, right? I think this is a course where we're going to kind of, I guess, kind of disregard the model to an extent or or weigh course history and course fit, you know, quite a bit more. And so, I mean, you look at a guy like Sergio, who's obviously not here this week. It took him a decade before he figured this place out and actually won. And then he won three times, right? So I think that's the sort of course we have this week. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I made myself sound like a little bit stupid on the podcast last night where I said it took Sergio a while to figure out, you know, Valderrama. Of course, he didn't. He was kind of top seven after the first couple of starts. But what I kind of meant by that was it took him so long to break through when it looked such a good fit for him. And, you know, it it's just one of those places that I wouldn't discount anybody. I mean, we're going to go into a couple of guys like yourself. You've got on your card a guy that's missed a cut here twice. Um, but one, wasn't playing very well in the build-up to both times. And two, I think... You know, it just takes a little time to figure it out. Like people would have discarded Wilco Nine over last year because he bombs it all over the place and he finishes tied six. So it's just you there are different ways to do it. Um, I don't think you can just bomb and gadget around here because you're gonna get stuck behind trees, you're gonna have runoffs off the greens, etc. But it just pays to have had a look at the place and kind of learn something from the first time you visited. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, uh I think it's that balance between pure course history and then the actual course fit. Uh we'll talk about the bets in a little bit, but um, just continue to ride the hot iron players and and the good scramblers because that's the only here this week. What, what would be your thoughts on someone? I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys that have come into this. I think quite a lot have played here. But, you know, would someone playing this for the first time put you off? I mean, there's a couple of guys like Nikolai Hoygaard and Judge Janet Watson on, people like Hyatt on lead and a guy on your card, actually, we'll come to later on, they're playing for the first time. Would that put you off at all? <laughs> it should. Um, but I'm a sucker for that guy. So we'll get there. Um, no, so, I mean, like you saw John Catlin last year, obviously uh, missed the cut the first time playing here and then figured out and kind of won last year. I, you know, I think it's a tough golf course. So the conditions will dictate that to an extent. Um, I think it takes a certain type of golfer who can win an event at plus two, plus three, plus four, which we might see again. Um, but ultimately, yes, I, I definitely need experience more than the, the first timers here. And that's the thing with the experience as well, I suppose, is is to, to make that point is John Catlin didn't have good experience here, right? He shot a 72 and a 74 and, you know, finished an 80th place to miss the cut the first time he was here. So he didn't have anything promising. It's just that he's seen the course, knew what it was next time he come round. And you mentioned winning an overpass score. He shot four under on the final day to win. I know there's a little bit of Kaima not doing the goods behind him and a couple of guys, you know, failing to make a charge, but it's a completely different mindset to go into the week 
dropping shots and still kind of climbing like places. I think Sammy Van Mackie was eight over after the first day or six over after the first day and still finished inside the top 10 last year. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, for us, it's, it's fun to watch. I think I had, um, so I had Lorenzo Gagli last year who was there and then just completely ejected on Sunday, but still uh, very enjoyable to watch. Uh, there are double bogeys, triple bogeys looming every single hole uh, even potentially from the middle of the fairway, right? I mean, you miss a green with a wedge in the wrong spot. You have the overhanging trees, you've got the bunkers, you got tiny greens, firm greens, fast greens. So yeah, it should be fun to watch this weekend. Yeah, and look, let's go to the top of the board here at the Andalusia Masters. Obviously, we're at Valderrama, as we mentioned, 7,028 yards past 71. Um, as we talked about, it's not really about distance, but John Rahm is the obvious favourite here at 3-1, to one, I guess is the biggest prize maybe. So a little bit bigger than that. Matthew Fitzpatrick at 16 to 1, Bernd Biesberger 22 to 1, Matthias Schwab 28 to 1, and Martin Keimer at 33 to 1. Um, you know, I guess there was some guys that kind of stood out to you there. But you know, what we spoke off air about Bernd Biesberger, what was it that kind of made you decide to opt against him in the end? Um, just the I shouldn't say lack of winning upside because the guys won a handful of times on the European tour pretty recently. Uh, it just seems like he's getting off to these slower starts. Um, and this is a course where I feel like a lot of guys are in play and that we have a pretty deep field, right? I think there are plenty of guys in the 50, 60, 70, 80 range who have legitimately win, uh, win equity here. Um, and again, I expect Byrne to play fine, make the cut. He'll be in the top 20 at some point this weekend. Uh, but I just don't see the winning upside here. And I think what you say there as well is really important, like the slow start. Like, for, you know, for John Rahm is not going to be a slow starter. He started really well last week and was, I think, you know, he was odds on to win after like six holes. But yeah. he had that one bad round. You really just can't afford to do that. I mean, uh, Andrew Don Johnston won here in 2016. I think he was second, second, first. Um, John Catlin led all the way, I think. And Soren Kelton as well is another course winner here, led all the way. So three course winners here in the field have all kind of basically gone wire to wire or been very close. So I think despite the fact you can drop shots, I think you need to always be in that kind of, you know, position all the way along. And I just don't know if Bernd Biesberg has got four rounds. And I guess that was a kind of concern for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think again, for a uh, DraftKings play, I think that's a great place to start your lineups. I, I actually probably like him a little more than John Rahm. Rom is about the same price as he was last week. And last week was a much weaker field, right? Much stronger field. He's still over $12,000 this week. And I think it, it really makes it tough because there's not a lot down in the sixes that I like this week. Um, so if I use Burn, it'll be as the start of a DraftKings team. Yeah, and I suppose with John Rom as well is that he's coming off uh, a week where you can only say it was disappointing, right? Like he was poor over the weekend. He finished 17th, which... So any other girlfriend in the world would be a steady week, but to him, it's it's a disappointment. And that's, um, you know, he's a victim of his own success. But the course was perfect for him last week. Like he could, even when he was spraying it, he could have got himself out of trouble. It's just the rest of it wasn't great. And if he has even one of those rounds this week, you know, he's going to get caught out so much. So uh, in terms of betting, me and Sky would never go near a three to one shot anyway. Um, and I'm sure you're pretty much the same looking at your betting yeah. cards most week. But what about kind of like Matt Fitzpatrick? Was there any temptation? I know you're obviously a big fan of his. Would you have gone there? Uh, so, I mean, course fit-wise, obviously makes a lot of sense. He just doesn't seem right. Uh, obviously, didn't play much and didn't play that well at the Ryder Cup. Uh, until the singles match, you know, he made a bunch of birdies against Daniel Berger. Just he ran into a better player. Yeah. Uh, but he just hasn't seemed right the last few months. Uh, not really contending. Really uh, not even close to the top 20 most weeks. So, it's a pass for me in terms of... Uh, 
uh, the outright bet. Yeah, I think he's he's he was great earlier on in the PGA Tour season, and I was getting quite excited about him for you know because I think that is the this natural progression, right? Like he's he's done it on the European Tour, he won big, you know, and he doesn't need to prove anything there, but he still needs to make this step up. You know, he's counted as a major winner, and he's got an experienced caddy on the bag. There's no real excuses not to to make that step up at the PGA Tour. Matthias Schwab obviously making uh, a drop down in class now. I'd say obviously making he's getting his PGA Tour card. Um, he has a great course fit, but is just someone in terms of winning upside at the moment. I'm still not quite sure. Um, having said that, I start my card with Martin Keimer. Um, you know, this is a guy that hasn't won, I think, seven years now, is it since the 2014 US Open? Um, but like we said, he should have won here last year. He's been, you know, electric at this golf course. And I just think that you have to decide whether you believe that. Martin Keimer can come back. Like we just seen Lee Westwood do it over the last couple of years. You know, the Ryder Cup invigorated him. Did it have the same effects on Martin Keimer? We won't know. But two second place finishes, two sixth place finishes, never missed a cut, always inside the top 30. I think that Keimer is just a safe bet to get through to the weekend. And, and I just think now, just maybe the pressure of being, I don't know if there's pressure of being a vice captain or whether it's something that stays on your mind, but I think he, being in that team room, he'll now just want to make sure he's there in Rome yeah, in two years' time. And maybe this is just where he starts that run. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we saw a couple of these guys. You know, Luke Donald played well um, yeah. after the vice captaincy. Um, and even Graham McDowell, I think it was the Dutch Open, he played right uh, before. But he did make yeah. the cut last week at the Shriners. So, yeah, you never know. And, and, and Keimer is obviously, you know, a proven world-class winner, loves this golf course. Um, he probably was due for a win last year. I don't know if we're still extending that uh, uh, through this year, but uh, it would certainly not surprise me to see him up there this weekend. No, and it's one of those ones I just had a really, really hard time going to because of the price being short, but you just have to respect, as we spoke about the course history, the course fit, and you look at the the profile of the winners. I mean, Graham McDowell, you mentioned, obviously won here in 2010. Sergio Garcia's won it three times on the trot. And then Christian Verzwiedenhout won in 2019, who's obviously going on to be what many believe could be a major contender. John Catlin, maybe not quite out of the top draw, but a very, very proven winner very quickly, in, you know, in bunches. So you're looking at guys that are just real top class. And, and the first guy that you came to on your board uh, and Richard Bland is certainly trying to fit that kind of profile later on in his career, 48 years of age. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, the, the European Tour put out a tweet earlier, maybe it's yesterday, maybe this morning, but uh, 10, 11 cuts since his win, right? So you think there's oftentimes a big letdown after that, but even the very next week in Denmark, he was, I think he tied for third. Um, and he's just kind of maintained that form, like always in the top 10, always in the top five, uh, and has even thrown some very low rounds in there. So from what I know about him, which again, uh, more this year than in, in uh, years past, but he seems to be really good on, on these shorter courses, these tougher courses, firm, fast links courses, right? We saw that he won the British Masters, played well at the Scottish, played well last week, played well at the Alfred Dunhill League. So it seems to make a lot of sense. Um, and we've talked about that your driving distance really doesn't matter here, right? All about accuracy. Richard Bland is obviously a very short hitter, but a very accurate hitter. He historically loses strokes off the tee, which again, I think is not going to be that important this week. Um, and if you look back to kind of what he did last week, he was 60 to green, uh, number five for approach, gained around the green and gained putting. So really it was only the off the tee game last week that really held him back. So, um, and then lastly, I mean, you look at the course history, he's made four or five cuts here. His form has actually been going backwards in progression, but I think we can all agree that he's a much better player now than he was any other time in his career. 
Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there is that the fact that he's making the cuts and, and generally seems to like the course, despite the fact the results maybe not being the best, but he is just a completely different prospect. And, and we'll go through that in terms of the players that are going on later on the board. But I don't think you can you can find your game here. Like this is a golf course that demands you having some sort of form on the lead in. And and with Richard Bland, the way that he was over the years, that, that wasn't always the case. I mean, he's been ultra consistent this year, as one of the other guys has been going into this. Um, you just can't, I mean, you just can't find anything here. You just need to have your irons hot. Um, you know, your driver, you know, you want to hit it straight, but that can be negated here. So I think it's just a case of playing the guys that are in hot form. And one of those guys that I sort of came across was uh, Andrew Johnston. And one of the things with Andrew Johnston, apart from the fact that I hate everyone just calling him beef by uh, by default, I mean, it's a great it's a great name, but it does kind of detract from the fact that he's actually a very good golfer. Um, and, and the one thing that concerned me, right, and, and I guess it's, it's not a nice thing to be concerned with, but he had a lot of off-the-course issues. Like, he had a lot of mm-hmm. mental health issues. He was quite open about it, as Matthew Wolf has been. Um, and for me, that kind of is a bit of a red flag because you never know whether he's going to be right each week and it's a horrible thing to think but in terms of actually just breaking down the bare bones you, you do have to consider that and I think that there was a lot of success fast he got caught up in all the hoopla in America and he was having all these RB deals and things like that whereas this year it just seems to be that he's got back into it and he's just ready to play golf and for me I mean the, the results speak for themselves this year he's already had kind of like a tied fourth a tied ninth a tied sixth at Wentworth tied 24th last week on a golf course that didn't really suit um, in terms of what he does, I think he likes it tougher. I think that he wants a demand on those um, hot irons. And even around the green, he's a great prospect as well. So for me, the fact that he can progress up the field with level par or maybe even one or two under um, is, is a really good thing for him. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I think for me, it was more of, of price. You know, I don't feel comfortable betting him down in the 40s, which is where he was. Uh, yeah. Probably over 60 probably would have piqued my interest. Um, but yeah, I think again, I've bet him a few times this year. The irons have just been awesome as usual for him. It's, you know, the four footers and the five footers. Um, and I think even like a lot of people are going to use uh, the Omega European masters as a comp here. And he right. ties for 60th, but if you look into it, he started 68, 66, right? Played really well for two rounds. So that result is probably better than it looks uh, played solid last week. Like you mentioned, played really well at, at the BMW. So, uh, and of course he's won here. So I definitely see the merit for it. Yeah, let's, let's come on to a guy that there is no question marks really about him in terms of Shabanka Sharma. Um, I've sort of been alluding to him most of the show in the sense that he's got a pretty average record here, which I think has kept his price at a really good number. I mean, my, my co-host in the Lost Words podcast, he mentioned to me on Sunday, what price is Sharma going to be this week? And I immediately just hit like 40 to 1. Like that's kind of the number I thought. And there was some 80s. I mean, he's down to yeah. sort of 66, 70 to 1 this week. But I think that's a pretty good number on a guy that is hitting his irons and driver as well as anyone. Yeah, we actually, so here we saw the opposite. Uh, he opened at 50 and then drifted back to 66, which is where yeah. I grabbed him. And, you know, I think that's a fair number. Um, I think it's a great number, really. So as we know, you know, he's been ultra consistent, uh, really all carried by the iron play, which is obviously very important this week. And his short game is fine, right? He's he's usually pretty solid around the green. I'm not overly worried about the putting. Uh, like Richard Bland, the weakness has been off the tee, right? Where he usually loses because of distance and potentially because of accuracy. But I think, again, when you come to Valderrama, you come to certain courses like this, you can get away with it, right? Like the first time we really saw him was when he won the event over in uh, Malaysia. Um, and you look at that course and the characteristics and the types of guys, he and Fabrizio Zanotti who have won there, 
makes a lot of sense here, right? Um, so really, the iron play has just been out of this world. He was number one tee to green last week, and uh, Sky will tell you, and Axis will tell you, I'm a sucker for what they did last week, especially tee to green. And he was number one. My next guy was number two, and I, I'm just going to keep riding that because it's it certainly worked for me. And and I think the thing is as well that there is obviously a, a concern that there's some recency bias, right? You, you know, can they keep hot? But, you know, we're talking about a guy that's coming into what we analyze is a great course fit for him. The numbers where he hasn't beaten, I don't think, 76 in four rounds here suggest that he doesn't play well. But you look into his leading form those two years and there was just a bunch of miscuts. Like he was a guy that really suffered from success early, like a bit like Andrew Johnson, in the sense he can play well at that WGC in Mexico and his profile just raised the roof. And all of a sudden you, you're trying to contend and play well at a golf course that demands. It's not so much even a particular style of play in terms of irons around the green, et cetera. It's the mental test. Like you cannot check out about a armor. And if you've got a lot of things going on, like Sharma, what is on over his two years? Um, it's really yeah. hard to keep the score uh, busy. Yeah. And I think what I like about him too is, is we've seen him win, right? He's got two European tour wins, one on, on, on the Asian tour plenty, right? When he kind of spiked, we saw him play well at, at the world golf championship, you know, played in big events and done really good things. And I think he's, now getting back up to that level where he was after a really bad 18 months or so. Yeah, and you know, the, the other course comps that kind of get floated around are Wentworth. I think that's more of a mm -hmm. big style of event and it is a little bit parkland there and tight, but that he was tied ninth there not so long ago. And uh, you know the Hong Kong Open has been flagged up a lot as well. He's got two top tens there. So yeah. I think for, for Sharma, it's, it's a great corollary course fit for him. Yeah, and he, he seems to sprinkle in one bad round, right, each week, like 66, 66, 66, 75, right? So yeah. one, hopefully we can get rid of that. But two, on a course that's challenging like this, if you shoot a 74, you're not out of it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that'll certainly help him this week, so. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a, it's a great point that, you, you know, everyone's going to drop shots and he yeah. can kind of get away with that, whereas he's been playing so well in these kind of low-scoring birdie fests that you can't afford to, to stop completely. Uh, so I think that'll suit him. Another guy that I kind of think is a perfect course fit is Sean Crocker. And he's had a couple of goes around here. And um, there was concern about his foot last week after an injury at Dunhill Links. He felt on a hole, had an MRI. Um, but he seems in pretty good spirits. I think he is uh, ready to come back. My concern with Crocker, and, and the reason I've kind of stuck with him is because I've been talking all year about his price going out and grabbing it when it does, um, going to a course where putting doesn't matter as much. And I think that's a, a key here. The worry is, is that his around the green game suffers a lot as well, and that could cost him. But I thought the number is decent enough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about a guy who is way overdue for a win. It's certainly Sean Crocker. But yeah, you mentioned it. Like he's going to give himself a lot of fifteen footers for birdie this week, and probably some for par. And it's just a matter of how many of them he can make. Absolutely. Give us your guy that we we kind of spoke about that <laughs> hadn't played here. So, um, I think so kind of like Sean Crocker, right, yeah. in terms of uh, kind of their game. But, yeah, Jordan Smith um, seems – so he, like Sharma, kind of fell off last year, was missing a lot of cuts, just never quite got uh, in the rhythm with the new calendar. But uh, he's back. He's back and playing well. Uh, and the thing that I really like about Jordan Smith this week, even though he's never played here, is is it's not a course where you need to shoot 20 under, right? His His bugaboo, of course, is putting. He does not make putts. He does not make a lot of birdies, except when he's just kind of lights out. So I think uh, that's number one is uh, it's going to be a score where I think he can get to. Uh, the ball striking, again, was great last week. He was uh, number two tee to green, but I think he was number one ball striking in terms of off the tee plus the approach, which is huge. Um, and 
somebody recently with the recent form, we actually have seen him play well at a tough golf course, right? The Porsche European Open, which was very tough, only three rounds. He uh, tied for 11th there. Um, earlier this year, he was third in Denmark, which another short kind of narrow course. Uh, uh, Porsche European Open, he was 11th. He was third at the ISPS Handa. He was ninth at the Kazoo Classic. So he's kind of been there. And again, he's a guy who, who has won before, albeit a couple of years ago, I, I think about four years ago, but he's shown that he has the game where he can win. And I think 80 to one is a very, very fair price here. Yeah, I mean, I like some of the, the places we've played well before in the British Masters at Wentworth again. You know, he, he has that perfect game. And if you look at the debutants, he's probably the one that you'd expect to make the most inroads. Um, and I like what you say, you know, he... He doesn't need to make a bunch of putts right. He's going to have to make putts. You know, you need to make par saves to keep the momentum going. But smaller greens, like, yeah. you know, you're not going to have these really long three-putt opportunities, which, you know, generally cost him. I don't think he's terrible around the greens. I don't know how you see that, but he doesn't look awful around the greens. He seems pretty good. Uh, passes the eye test, certainly. It's just that his irons should stay hot and he should be in the middle of the fairway most times. Yeah, for sure. And I think for him, you know, the only thing that kind of concerns me is that he typically gains the most strokes off the tee, which I think will be negated a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the irons have been so good for the last eight events, 10 events that I'm just hoping to ride that form and just catch a half decent putting week. Yeah, another guy that I need, strange, you know, normally I associate him with bad putting and it's Richie Ramsey is that mm -hmm. he at the moment, he's kind of He's not missing any one thing. It's kind of he, he finds it all in odd weeks. So if, if his if his ball striking's good, his putting's bad. If his putting's good, his ball striking. He never seems to be able to piece it together. Um, but he, he's coming to a golf course now where he's just been superb. Really, he was third on debut, 29th and 11th uh, subsequently, and then one missed cut. But he looks like he's coming back to his four. Like he he looks like he can contend, and it just matters about course fit. Like he's a guy that isn't going to contend every week like you know i've spoken to him in the past and he knows there's probably five six seven events a year where he can probably win and he needs to be hot at that time and i just think he's he's rounding into a good bit of form at the right time and and can play a golf course i mean he, he strikes me as someone as a true sort of lover of the golf game that would really relish winning at Powderama. yeah definitely makes a lot of sense you know i was on on the late end of his run this summer uh where everyone seemed to hop on for some reason and i was just getting crushed by the richie ramsey chalk and course I played and bet him at, at Kranz and then in, in Rome and he had two missed cuts. So um, yeah, certainly expect him to make the cut, probably be around the top 20 here. Does he have the winning upside? I mean, maybe, maybe not, but uh, yeah, perfect golf course for him. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, there's, then there's a couple of other guys, that, you know, Will Besseling uh, was very good on his debut here, was pretty good last week, albeit uh, had a bad Saturday and didn't get away with it. And then Michael Lorenzo Vera as well, who's, mm -hmm. you know, two starts here was sixth and second. Like that's, you know, that is really impressive. And he's a guy that has come back to form in recent weeks, does just tend to repeat form. So those would be two guys down the lower end of the board where I think would be some decent value. Yeah, for sure. I, and I did bet uh, Will Bessling as well. Um, I think, you know, uh, the course uh, form from last time, I think uh, that definitely stood out. What he did last week stood out. Um, and even that was with a bad weekend, right? He started, I think, 66, 68, something like that, and was kind of near the top uh, leading for a couple of days and then kind of tailed off there. He also was uh, tied for 13th at the Omega Masters, which I think, again, a great comp course in terms of short, uh, narrow, and uh, the firm greens and things like that. So it makes a lot of sense. And then, yeah, Mike Lorenzo Vera, um, I think uh, one of those ones where you just throw out the model because he has been bad for the last year, year and a half. Uh, but loves this golf course last week, uh, kind of popped for a top 20. Uh, what I really like last week is he gained in all four categories, right? So I think that's a sign that he's kind of clicking and 
he's certainly a guy that I like for a top 10 this week. So my only concern, with, like you mentioned with kind of Smith and stuff, is he does gain a lot of strokes off the tee and his irons mm-hmm. haven't been super hot. But just I think sometimes I'm guilty of it. Like if someone hasn't had a good approach week, like I kind of just jump straight off. And yeah. I think it's been good enough, right? Like you just said, he gained strokes and then he's going to come to a golf course where he obviously likes. Um, he's shown that last week. And it's such a unique test. Like it's such a different you know you're going to gain strokes if you're just getting it on the greens this week like you know you don't have to be mm-hmm. super close to the hole all the time i just think that's a good fit for bestling to you know break through because it has been coming really yeah for sure um and uh, i like him too you know he almost won i think it was the uh, the alfred dunhill championship right down in yeah. uh, south africa and that's where sharma's won and i like sharma this week so just another kind of correlation that i'm making there but um so I think one other guy that I just quickly wanted to mention, because he was last off my list, um, purely because I just don't see the win equity. But what do you think about Jamie Donaldson here? So Jamie Donaldson is someone I've gone back and forth on an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is a guy that, you know, he's got an awful lot of experience here. And my concern with Jamie Donaldson is that like I spent last year watching him kind of roll around on the floor uh, with a really terrible back. Um, yeah. But all of a sudden, it just seems, I said to Sky a couple of weeks ago that it's like he's had three careers. Like he had a very early on modest European tour career. Then he went for that little winning stage and the Ryder Cup. And then he nearly cut his hand off and was terrible for a little while and has these back issues. But he's got a decent course history here, you know, 10th and a 4th. Uh, before that, he had kind of was making cuts. So I think Jamie Donaldson is someone that would certainly not surprise me if he was in the mix. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll go through the bets. Do you want to uh, rattle off some, some DraftKings names here? Yeah, I mean, as as a as a guy that you know knows how to play DraftKings, because I certainly am not going to be given advice for game theory. You know, there's only one of us that's won uh, big GPPs and, and things like that in this uh, thing. What would you do at the Andalusia Masters? How does your strategy change here? Does it? Do you think you need to have a balanced approach because you need to get guys in there that that have this kind of course experience, or do you think you can take a flyer lower down? Yeah, for sure. So I think that is the first decision is, is what do you do with John Rahm, right? And uh, I thought last week uh, was a lot easier because the field was weaker and you could make a pretty solid team with John Rahm. Like I could fit Adri with John Rahm last week very easily. You can't do that this week and not uh, kind of mortgage the rest of your lineup. So uh, I am most likely going to take the balanced approach. You know, uh, we talked about like the guys like Bland and Schwab and uh, Andrew Johnston. I think that's the range that you want to fall into. I think one of the hardest things with the uh, European tour contest is trying to figure out the ownership, right? Uh, Cause there's not a ton of content out there. I mean, this podcast and Ben Coley's article really do drive yeah. uh, the GPP ownership. That's just the way it goes. Uh, ben, of course, you know, he's on Schwab this week. He's on Aaron Rye this week. So I would expect guys like that to probably be popular and, and that balanced build may be popular. So um, I think when that happens, you know, you just have to kind of, kind of go with your own thing. Um, and play the guys that you like, right? Um, like I'm going to play Sharma. I'm going to play yeah. Jordan Smith. I don't expect them to be overly popular. Um, I oftentimes leave money on the table for the European tour stuff uh, too, because when uh, the recreational GPP players have guys who they don't know that well, they're certainly going to max out their salary more than often. Uh, and so that'd be my kind of main advice is just play the guys you want to play. Don't max out the salary and just, um, yeah, just try and be a little bit unique. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that there is there is an edge to be had on the European Tour if you know the guys further down the field. I think that is a, a massive thing. And like you say, you can leave salary on the table. 
Um, for me, I was always, when I first started, when I first came over to the UK, I was very much like, right, I've put up four bets. Let's put four of those guys in the lineup and fill in the gaps. And it never really seemed to pay off for me. It was kind of a bit of a risky mm. approach, but we've just been talking here and I kind of just started my lineup with Keimer and Johnston, two people that I like. Um, a guy that I think we both, both bet last week in Justin Harding could be a good player, $8,000. Mm. Um, I don't really want to go back to the well too many times, but then Sharma, Nineaver and Donaldson all fit in that lineup. Um, that yeah. doesn't leave much on the table. It doesn't leave anything on the table. It's a hundred bucks. But yep. you know, if I if I swap one of those out for for Jordan Smith, do you think that would be the better approach? Yeah. So I mean, even a hundred bucks, like you're going to be a little more unique there than you would be if you maxed it out, or if you even want to drop down to Mike Lorenzo Vera, who's another three hundred dollars, and leave four hundred on the table. Like I think that yeah. would work too. And I don't think MLV is going to be more than one or two percent on this week. No, absolutely not. Well, let's you know, let's just go to the fact that people are going to want to play John Rahm. They are going to put Adriano in there. Yep. Let's look for some some seven guys and below. What do you think make of Julian Gurrier last week? I thought he was pretty impressive over the weekend, considering mm-hmm. he's not been in the arena very often. Um, I thought he would, you know made some positive steps. Okay, you know he went backwards from second to third on the final day, but didn't drop off a cliff too much. Yeah, I mean, I I play him more than I should. Um, I always had this vision of him being, you know, a big off the tee guy, long driver. Maybe he is to an extent, but he definitely has shown more than that, right? Yeah. Um, I think with any of these guys, it's always the putting and the short game that's the worry, but he tends to kind of stay there when he's there. You know, he doesn't win, but he'll kind of round out the week and finish fifth or sixth or third like he did last week. So, um, and he's made both cuts here. So I think you can certainly do worse for 7,000. And that's the thing. I think there's 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 a whole host of guys like that. And it's just, it gets kind of worrying when you see some of these names. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alvaro Aquiros is someone that's going to be, you know, very, very popular. I'd imagine people have read Ben Coley's article. Um, he's a guy that's played very well here, you know, yep. advancing on to the years. And I guess the good thing with Alvaro Aquiros is that he, like Wilco Nineaber and people like that, doesn't appear to have the best strategy for this, yet still yields some results. Yeah, for, and I think there's a lot of guys like that, right, in terms of, guys who are pretty good players, but may not be the the accurate hitters that you're looking for, but are very cheap this week. Like you talk about a guy like Min Woo Lee, right? He's 7,400. He played okay last week, obviously won the Scottish. If he plays well and makes this cut, like he could be in the top five and make a ton of birdies and for sure be on the DK optimal lineup, right? Or he can shoot plus seven the first day and be out of it. And yeah. I think those are the risks that you have to take on, on DraftKings because at the end of the day, like, yeah, you want guys to play well, but you need birdies and you need eagles. And obviously Min Woo Lee is the type of player who can do that. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's a whole host of names here that have just been playing well recently. Jack Senior, 6,800. Um, House on Leeds returning to a bit of form, likes his golf course, playing for the first time. So we don't know really what we're going to get. Um, I guess he'd be pretty risky at 6,600. And then you've just got a couple of guys like Connor Syme. Uh, Mark Warren mm-hmm. broke his cut, you know, his, his missed cut streak uh, last week as well in the top 10. So I think there are guys, Ashley Chester's, makes cuts here and plays very well in Spain in general. So I guess the temptation is not to go. I think once you start getting down to like 6,400 and someone sees Sammy Valamaki play well or so, so well last year and, and sort of shoehorn him in because of John Rahm, I think there's got to be a distinctive cutoff point at kind of 6,600 and below. Yeah, I mean, I think Connor Sign makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of he's made three cuts here, played really well last week, except for Saturday, right? He shot three really good rounds, including I think it was minus six on, on Sunday, which was huge and got him kind of back uh, near the top 20, 25. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of my all-time favorites for 6,200 GFC. I mean, you talk about a golf course where you want experience, where accuracy matters and distance doesn't matter. 
Um, and he hasn't really been that bad, right? He doesn't have the upside, but I could see him in the top 25 this week. And he's 6,200 and allows you to do a lot of different things. So this guy was probably my favorite golfer for a little while getting into the European Tour. He used to win more than he should have done. Yeah. Um, and then I interviewed Simon Dyson, who obviously had a bit of a spat with him. Yeah. And, you know, that puts a little bit of a sour in your mouth. But he was a guy that really struggled when he made the, the jump to America. He tried to get his PJ mm-hmm. Tour card, really didn't, you know, it just doesn't fit. And it was kind of like a you know, square peg at a round hole. It just wasn't the kind of place for him. And I think we're going to see that with someone like Aaron Rye. I think he's going to really struggle on the American side and then just play well when he comes back. And Castaño now is, is kind of settling in again. And I think that, like you say, I mean, he he makes cuts here. Like, he, I think yep. he's missed two in, what was it, 10 appearances maybe? You know, there's never been anything too great. I think he's been 12th and he's had a couple of top 20s. Um, but that's all you need from a guy at that price, right? Yeah, I mean, anyone, yeah, I mean, under 66, uh, except maybe Matthew Southgate, I think I would take GFC in terms of cut equity over pretty much anybody else here. Um, yeah. I think that's how much course history matters, course fit matters. Um, And then lastly, speaking of guys who may be back, but are not a good course fit, is is Lucas Beauregard back? Is it happening? So I called him back about maybe six events ago, seven events ago, and he made the cut and looked really good. And I think he actually was contending for a little while. And Mm -hmm. then it was kind of just driven by putting rather than his driving but he looked good last week right he was i think it was, was four rounds in the 60s last week yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and that is going to be key and you know like you say doesn't necessarily fit the course um but i think we've just i don't know how you feel about it but i think there's a couple of pj tour events like this like you see places like the heritage and you see places mm-hmm. like sony open where it's like well you don't need to be a long hitter so it doesn't pay to be a big driver anymore. and sometimes it does because you can just take less than driver hit irons off the tee and just be way down there as well and, and flick a wedge in. So I think that although he's missed what he's, he's missed one cut here and that was like the only time he's visited, he shot 81, 82, but <laughs> that was five years ago. Yeah, like, a long time ago. Yeah. And he obviously hasn't come back because he's been in terrible form. Um, and this is not a place you want to go out of confidence. I guess the fact that he's here is probably a good sign. Yeah, for sure. And again, like you talk about guys with upside, right? Who can make birdies, make birdies in bunches, streak, all four under 70. Like he's the type of player for uh, DraftKings specifically that I, I can certainly get behind. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that's the thing now is that I guess my approach is, is similar to yours in the sense we probably want to go balanced, but these are guys that we just want to give out. I mean, Julian Suri was someone that plays well here, mm-hmm. uh, 6,500. Um, his off-the-tee game has been appalling which always used to be a strength so again maybe that's just something that gets negated here can help him we know he can make birdies and bunches i know you're a guy that likes julian Suri as well so i don't way too want much to yeah. play too many people down here yeah i don't i don't want to do it and i don't want to i don't want to shoehorn these guys in but i think for you know if you if you desperately need someone him james morrison mm-hmm. david drysdale's played well so i think there are guys down here you mentioned matthew southgate i think he's a, is a great player overlooked um so yeah i think i think there are names down here i don't I certainly wouldn't advise people going drawing ram arnaus and a bunch of these guys because that would scare the living yeah. a bit. but you know there is there is signs that you can go lower down the board yeah for sure and i'll throw one more out there just because i i played him last week and he burned me daniel gavins who's been really good uh obviously great challenge tour player and then won uh, one of his first events coming up to the main tour and 
he was right there last week for a couple rounds. And then uh, he got the old MDF on, on Saturday where he shot about 80, didn't make a single birdie. I don't know what got into him because he played great all summer and for the first two rounds and he just had a bad day. So, um, but he was flat seven last week. Now he's 6,400 on a course again that, you know, it should potentially suit him. And he made the cut here uh, back in 2019. So. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we saw him, he was pretty decent at Wentworth for a couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, he finished 77th there, had a 76-75 weekend, and much like you said last week as well. And, but the Alfred Dunhill links, he he looked like he was going to eject and, and then kind of pulled it back on the final round. I think that's yeah. a really good sign for a course like this as well. So Daniel sure. Gavin's like that at 6,400. Um, so I think what we'll do there is just summarise our picks uh, for the week. So I'll go first with Martin Karma at 30-1, to one, uh, Andrew Johnson at 45-1, to one, Wilco nine, Abram Sean Crocker at seventies. I like your Will Besting play there at seventy as well, uh, and Richard Ramsey at hundred to one are the guys I'm definitely going to go with. Over to you, Ryan. Yep, I got uh, Bland at forty. I got Will Besting uh, in seventies. Uh, Sharma eighty. Smith, oh, sorry, Sharma sixty six. I wish I got the eighty. <laughs> Sharma sixty six. Jordan Smith eighty. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be remiss if we didn't mention to subscribe to Daily C Fantasy Sports and Mix um on itunes uh apple Podcasts, as they call it these days and uh you know ryan thank you very much for jumping in for sky this week um it's going to be an extremely interesting week if nothing else you know it's a lovely course great event um and hopefully we get some bets in yeah no awesome thanks for having me happy to uh step in and help out anytime but looking forward to sky being back and getting more of those uh spanish amateur gems that he throws out yeah, sorry guys, we didn't throw those in this week. There isn't many uh, many 12-year-old amateurs playing this week, so uh, Sky can bring those back next week. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. All right, see you.